I'm Kelly Gordon, and I'm here with Sivan Bershteh. I think the first thing that I would like to ask, uh, because this is a podcast, is if you will describe your work that's in the show called Neither There Nor There. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's uh, quite simply uh, a computer program that um, <clears throat> runs a visual over across, um, back and forth across two monitors, and um, that is a self-portrait. And uh, what, what's happening is the pixels are migrating both um, uh, to and fro between two, um, two images of me. Well, actually, it's one image of me that's migrating back and forth between two monitors. So um, the exact amount of pixels is only enough to make up one solid image, uh, but that image is continuously disrupted and um, migrated back and forth. And did w where were you when this notion came about, and how did this work come into being? Oh wow, that's a hard question. <laughs> I I think um, well, I guess I guess the at base level the piece is about um, sort of location and the location of like for you to ask me where I was <laughs> <laughs> when that piece came about is sort of what it's about. And um, at the time, I was actually. Um, I was a, in a residency in Amsterdam, and um, but I was also um, on the internet a lot, and I was also on my cell, cell phone a lot. So the the question of location was, I think, something that was just um, implicit in my experience at that time. And how was how and where was it shot? Sure. Yeah. It's um, it was just a photograph shot in the studio that I had at this residency. Um, if you look at the piece, there's actually uh, some acrylic paint jars and, and things like that in my attempts to, tr to make a painting that summer. But, uh, and those parts don't yeah. migrate. Is that no, particularly <laughs> significant? And also, what does your studio look like? I mean, uh, I'm imagining that it's not in the conventional sense of a studio with painting and sculpture things around. Um, well, it sort of is, actually. Yeah? I just actually did make... Uh, my first painting in about 16 years yeah. that I exhibited, yeah. Um, so there are things around, and I, I think I'm always kind of, ha I always have a kind of a back and forth uh, relationship with materiality, and I think that that's one of the things that my work addresses, you know? What's a departure point for your works? Is it a sketch, or is it notes, or is it photographic? Is there something that you do that often, well, or yeah. does everything come from a different No, place? almost everything comes from spending a lot of time um, programming and um, playfully programming and programming without uh, without directive um, I um, yeah I, I write uh, code and uh, cannibalize that code and that migrates uh, back and forth between being maybe images or uh, visualizations for potentially for sculptures or <clears throat> to animations um, and that is is those worlds are mixing more and more in my process, but yeah, ultimately everything um, is derived from um, uh, uh, computer space. Well, and as a self-portrait, which is one of my questions, is it really, or is it also kind of a psychic portrait of <laughs> how people are in two places at one, or more places at once today, thanks to things yeah, like I, yeah. cell phones and computers and whatever, where you're never sure where the other person necessarily is, mm -hmm. and um, because in terms of actual information about your physiognomy or something like that, mm -hmm. in fact, when we were meeting you today, we were saying, well, are we going to be able to pick him out of the crowd right, based maybe. on having seen this? Of course, yeah. So, yeah. what were your choices in? in terms of 
what you used as the image representing you. Right. What was your process for um, the, the, the choosing, really? Okay. Because <laughs> you're not you're not addressing the camera per se. You're kind of looking down at the cell phone. Yeah, I'm looking into another screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess in some ways that would be. Uh, it, it becomes then a triangle, so rather than the bilateral relationship between the two me's that is in the self-portrait, then you have the triangle that I think implicates the viewer looking at a screen and looking at somebody on a screen looking at another, yet another screen. And I think it's maybe even assumed that there might be a, another layer in, of that on the screen that I'm looking at. Um, I think it's, um, yeah, yeah. I think that um, it's at essence about a... a a kind of dematerialized feeling and I think that that's a, a bit of a paradox and it comes with its benefits and its disadvantages you know but I think on the whole I mean that seems to be kind of a basic element of the human project which is ultimately a dematerialization um, a, um, an over an overcoming of our environment right um, a disappearance of, of day and night disappearance of mm -hmm. time um, you know complete complete but then that starts to look and feel almost like death, which is the kind of irony, I think, in the whole, the whole thing. We were talking even earlier about uh, rapture and, <laughs> and the, 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 the structure of the show, right? Well, and it seemed very natural to dreams, and, and uh, it, in many ways for the layers that you describe, mm -hmm. because in this exhibition, one of the things we're trying to affect is an experiential exhibition where instead of having a particularly didactic theme that right. people sort of float through in a way and this right. became such a perfect emblem of how it feels to be in the world today waking and sleeping yeah and I, I don't know how if you feel that um, the dreams overview mm -hmm. is applicable in many cases we've selected works where the artist sort of was like what you know how, how does my, this work fit into your show yeah yeah well maybe well maybe the thing that um yeah maybe the red heron a little bit was the the cinema effect and 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 that direct relationship to dreams rather than just dreams itself but i guess the cinema would be in essence like the mechanization of dreams so and and once we started having a bit of a dialogue via email then that started to be understood much more by me and uh, I think it, it ultimately will communicate maybe less didactically, like didactically <clears throat> and more experientially, right? Um, yeah. How did you decide yeah, on the okay. scale of it? Because in reproduction and in pre presentations right. of this work before right. it, it was here, right. some of my other colleagues were presuming that it was of a, a much more massive scale than it is in right. fact. And how did you determine, since the images themselves are so beautifully colorful, right. and the concept is so mesmerizing, mm -hmm. how did you decide that it should be really more intimate than grand scale? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if anything, it would be smaller, I think, if, 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 if possible. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of the parameters of my work come about pretty naturally by what is fairly um, ready-made or consumer-grade technologically. And uh, so those were like the, the kind of the most, um, the smallest but maybe more, most um, prosaic kind of screens that I could find. Um, if there were a smaller screen that achieved the, re because the, the resolution of, yeah. the, of the animation yeah. is essential that you can actually uh, witness the migration of the, of, the, of the image pixel by pixel. 
Um, so that just was the smallest screen where that would still be achievable before um, your your ability to, to perceive that would break up at, at any smaller of a screen. Well, for me, when I watch it, not mm -hmm. only is it mesmerizing and become almost sort of zen-like, but it also is this fantastic marker of time. It feels like an hourglass yeah. where the bits are moving from one side to the other. Yeah. And a lot of the works in the show and a lot of the reference to dreams, too, is this disorientation of time. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it, it, was that a conscious part of it, or, or did that was it incidental? Or <laughs> I, well, I, I, I know it's hard to pinpoint exactly where something came from, and also right. as you're building it, it changes a little bit. Too. Yeah, it becomes hard to separate the organs from the body in a way, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and even ideologically. And I think that again, that's implicit in in the piece itself, right? These these pixels are meaningless without their context, in a way. Well, and how do you feel this particular work fits within your work in general mm -hmm. and what you're doing right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, what I'm doing right now and, and, and one of the things that I've been uh, pursuing with increasing interest is um, abstraction and abstraction from... Um, what I like to think of as more of a deterministic or a didactic reasoning behind a work, like so to um, to conceive of the work prior to its um, uh, prior to its um, uh, fabrication. Um, so that piece, in some ways, stays in this perpetual flux, and uh, it's that space that I think has been a kind of a yeah a long time pursuit in my work. Um, we were talking earlier that. Uh, about uh, my relationship to sort of monumental sculpture, as my father is a metal fabricator, and that was the <clears throat> that was the kind of paradigm of of art making that I grew up very young understanding, you know, and um, so a gravitation away from that, but in continuous dialogue with that that idea of um, uh, um, immalleable form, or uh, and then the relationship of time arts to that, the relationship of uh, of video and and time based media um, to that is something that I think is uh, yeah that's that's the dialogue in a way you know. And when you've seen this particular work installed in different places because it has been shown sure. now a couple different places, what surprised you most, or what surprised you most when you finished it and saw it from your conception to the finished point? Um, I guess it's less about, again, it's it's less about um, being surprised by it as a whole and more by making it a place that is continuously meditative slash mesmerizing, you know? So um, what's, I guess what surprised me much, and maybe this sounds... Um, um, that is that is, is my ability to stay with it and to make... When I feel like I know that I'm... I'm on the right track when I really want to spend time with my own work, you know, as, as, as a viewer. When I step outside the role of an author and really have given, uh, made a piece that has a certain life of its own that I can then um, bear witness to. Well, it's funny that you mentioned yeah. life of its own because for a non-art maker like mm -hmm. myself, it feels as though these works in a way are sort of children that go out in the world and have their own life. Yeah, yeah. And then when you see them again, it's, you know, like how much do you recognize them or not? And on that kind of uh, idea um, and the notion of self-portrait, do you mm -hmm. have in the back of your mind anywhere that there should be a series of self-portraits at different points in your life using 
whatever medium is particularly uh, interesting to you, do you imagine or you yeah. haven't? No, they, <laughs> that they, this is does that one, feel like? Well, uh, this is one in a in a continuous series um, of self portraits, and they, they seem to come out. Yeah, every year or two, um, sort of there's some sort of summation of. Um, I guess I, I guess the self portraits serve as a way of me. Um, Sort of implicating myself into my practice, and how does how how does that change or evolve over time? Is will be a, an ongoing um, point of interest, I think. Great. Yeah. Thank you very Great. much. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no problem. Thank you.